Uh, I don't think that that Suzuki is going to make a whole lot of difference for projection. But anyway. Um, yeah. All right. So before I uh, get into uh, the message here, first of all, like, can we just like give an amen, praise the Lord, for the beautiful day? It's not even like really hot in the sun. I mean, eventually maybe, but like, it's a great day or what? God's faithful. So I just wanted to, uh, obviously, Pastor Dan and his family are not here. They're in Ohio, for those who didn't know, but he sends his greetings. I'm just going to read from where he posted uh, in a pastoral thread. Anyway, hey friends, we're praying for you as you minister the grace and power of Jesus to a church that needs faith and a community that needs Jesus here in the park. We miss you and we'll be sharing life with our church family, or we will miss sharing life with our church family, but it's been a blessing to be with family here in Ohio. Blessings. And may the Holy Spirit move powerfully tomorrow in our circle, well, yeah, today, and transform people's hearts for all of eternity. And step out of it in, steps wife. Anyway, praying for an amazing day in the park today. May the Lord bless you with his vibrancy heart and eyes to see who he wants you to see today. So it's all about, like, you know, again, God is here with us, and he desires to have that relationship with us. And... Of course, one of the things that I absolutely love that is core to what I see as this church's DNA identity is being very intentional about relationships, authentic relationships with each other, and growing and experiencing authentic relationships, our authentic relationship with God. So, anyway, um, I'll just do a quick word of prayer, and we'll get into the sermon. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for this day. We thank you for the beautiful uh, opportunity to be in the park. Lord, we just thank you that you are always faithful, Lord, that uh, even when there's times what we may experience in our emotions, uncertainty or unrest, that does not change the promises of your word, does not change your disposition towards us, that you are for us, that you desire good things for us, you desire us to grow in you, and you provided the tools for that relationship to grow and thrive in you. And we just thank you for the opportunity. I thank you for the opportunity to be sharing uh, your word, help me to have the right words to speak, and that our hearts would be open to receive all that you have for us through this time. In the name of your son, amen. amen. So we're uh, continuing with our Ephesians study, and this morning I'm going to be speaking on the helmet of salvation, and that's from Ephesians uh, 6. The full context of the armor of God is verses 12 through 17, for 17 specific, actually, Anyway, verse 17 speaks specifically of the helmet of salvation uh, from the NASB. It says, take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. The Passion Translation uh, renders it as, embrace the power of salvation's full deliverance, like a helmet to protect your thoughts from lies. And I think all of us are familiar with just the general idea of helmets. Like I could say, you know, helmet, and it's not hard to picture a helmet, whether it be like a soldier helmet. Of course, Paul had the, the context of Roman soldiers occupying uh, Judea and Israel and that stuff, so Roman soldiers' helmets. But we have bicycling helmets. Uh, I really enjoy riding my motorcycle. I got back into bicycle riding, but anyway, motorcycle, motorcycle helmets. And uh, I had years ago, it was before Nathan was born. Nathan's 20 now, so anyway, opportunity to drag race. And so for drag racing, you have helmets too. Uh, and actually, the little, little, maybe not little known, but anyway, curious fact that the motorcycle helmets only need to be DOT rated. 
for drag racing, there's a separate set of standards, a higher standard that's Snell rating. Uh, so, anyway, and the point of all those helmets is basically to protect your head from head trauma, injury, all those other kind of things, which obviously can be very harmful, if not even cause death. So, Paul is using that analogy for how we need to view salvation and what salvation is able to bring to us. So looking to uh, scripture, what, uh, what I really felt uh, for us to spend a, a few minutes looking at is some of the core elements within the book of Romans. The book of Romans, which is written by Paul, is really regarded as being one of the most concise and powerful um, well, books in the Bible about doctrine. And a lot of it is related to specifically to salvation and justification. So through the book of Romans, he's explaining how faith in Jesus justifies people, creates a unified, multi-ethnic family, and a path to righteousness. And we were able to experience a new covenant family through Jesus Christ. So in um, the first few verses, I'm not going to, you know, read, I'm going to try not to get bogged down into a whole lot of context or backstory, but basically Paul spends the first like 14, 15 verses doing a regular encouragement and a greeting and all those other kind of things. And, but in verse 16 of chapter 1, Paul says, I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew and also to the Greek. Again, I'm going to quote from the Passion translation here. That verse is recorded as being, I refuse to be ashamed of the wonderful message of God's liberating power unleashed in us through Christ. For I am thrilled to preach that everyone who believes is saved, both the Jews and the people everywhere. So right at the start, right from the gate, after his greeting, Paul is talking about the power of salvation and that he's not ashamed of it. And so I want to first start speaking about basically the essence of salvation. Through the book of Romans, there's a probably, you know, some or many of you may be familiar with what's called the Romans Road. <laughs> through that gospel, it basically, or not through the gospel, through the book of Romans, there's key verses that you can use just memorizing, uh, not necessarily that you should have to memorize, but if you would tag them or write them in the front of your Bible, something like that, you would be able to lead somebody in the core essence of what it is to be saved, how salvation works, their need for salvation. So I'm just going to take a moment to highlight those verses for you. If you're not familiar with it and you're inclined to take notes, feel free. In Romans, the first part is the whole problem of humanity. By ourselves, forget it, there's no way that we can be reconciled with God. Sin is poor to each and every one of us. Romans 3.10 says, As it is written, there is no one righteous, no, not even one. We can have good days, but we will all have times of having animosity, anger, anything like that in our heart that actually separates us from God. And just that one thing is basically God in his complete holiness cannot have any small smidgen of anything of sin. Completely separated from that, so that creates a problem for us. Romans 3.23, emphasizing that point again, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And further compounding... <laughs> In Romans 6.23, the wage of sin is death. Again, God can't have anything to do with it, so basically that's eternal separation from God, all eternity. Um, that's a very uh, sad state. And so um, then, the, now rolling to the good news, the second part of 6.23, 
But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. So again, that, that through those verses, we have the, the human's problem, our problem as humans, and our relationship with sin, and the we're chained to it. The gift of God is eternal life, so we're starting to pivot. Humanity's hope is in Christ. This is found from Romans 5, 8. God demonstrates his own love for us. While we're yet sinners, Christ died for us. And so now there's a point for us to be able to respond and the need for our response even. In Romans 10, 9 and 10, and Romans 10, 13, basically you find that if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, just being the Son of God, and that, that his death paid the penalty for our sins, and God, sorry, getting back to it, God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it's with your mouth that profession is made and you are saved. Romans 10, 13, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And then the last two verses related to the Romans road detail the result of salvation. Romans 5, 1 and 2, therefore, since we have been justified through faith in Christ, but anyway, through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And the last verse for the Romans road is Romans 8.1. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So I, I found it important just because that, that lays down the, the essence of what is salvation. And again, it's real clear through the Romans road, and there's some very easy steps that you would be able to um, not only grow in, in your understanding of that, again, salvation, the helmet, for, to protect our thoughts, but also that we would have a proper understanding of salvation. Um, and then, yeah, just so that we had that, like, you know, it's good to have that grounding. The understanding, and that also would, as we grow in that understanding, allows us to be able to share that good news, the gospel, with someone else. To be able to just, you know, build that relationship and help them to have that understanding of, you know, Jesus, I, I don't have the scripture right off top as far as didn't write down, but the reference. But anyway, Jesus said that there's no one comes to the Father but by me. Yeah, and if you have read out of the Bible, that's in red. Jesus said that. So, uh, you know, that kind of sets aside the whole, like, you know, well, yeah, there's lots of ways to God. Well, no, not, you know, and it kind of debunks the, well, Jesus was a good man. Mm, no. So, um, not that he was just a good man. He's the son of God. He's the way. Yes, yes, way, truth, and the life. Um, so, and then further in Romans, again, all those verses that I shared were the, the essence of salvation related to the Romans road. Further on in Romans chapter 12, verse 2, a fairly well-known verse, Paul says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you may be able to prove what the will of God is, that which is good, acceptable, and perfect. So in that verse, there again, Paul is speaking of the importance of that understanding of how salvation works, having that fundamental, um, those core principles, but he also, the verbs that he uses there, transformed by the renewing of your mind. It's not just a, a, a one-stop shop, a like, oh, all right, yeah, I've got that memorized, and so that, I mean, it's good to have it memorized, but that's not just it. It's a growing, renewing of our minds. Because uh, I, I kind of like to say that we're all cracked pots and we leak <laughs> through the week, and so 
you know, we, we can have each and every one of us. I mean, I, I hope that this morning you'll be able to walk away from this morning's service and just feel really refreshed, not only with the great, you know, the breeze and the sunshine, but through the time of worship and through the time of the word and even just the, the fellowship together to really feel that, okay, this was, this was a really good time. This was a good encounter with God. That's today. And as you get to Monday and you're back in your work grind, Will you still be carrying as much of that vibrancy and as much of that like enthusiasm of like, oh, this is great, God is good, you know? Come Monday, it can be a little bit more of a challenge, and then as the week goes on, it can continue. So again, that's why we really encourage people to be, you know, involved with, uh, you know, fellowship and relationship and midweek services and all those other kind of things. It's important that we are continually being filled. So anyway, renewing of your mind—it's an ongoing process. Uh, most of the scriptures that I'm going to be sharing are really coming from Paul because I think that there's, there's uh, a lot that can be gleaned from his writings and from his life. We're gonna, I'm going to encourage you to look at the 2 Timothy chapter 1. I'm going to read verses 6 through 12. Uh, try not to speed read it so that you can like, you know, enjoy it, but also be efficient with my reading because it's six verses. Anyway. Uh, 2 Timothy 1, 6-12, Paul says, I'm writing to encourage you to fan the flame and rekindle the fire of the spiritual gift God imparted to you when I laid my hands on you and drank to Timothy. For God will never give you a spirit of fear, but the Holy Spirit who gives you mighty power, love, and self-control. So never be ashamed of the testimony of the Lord, nor be embarrassed over my imprisonment, but overcome every evil by the revelation of the power of God. He gave us resurrection life and drew us to himself by his holy calling on our lives. And it wasn't because of any good that we have done. Again, that, that's so important that, like, you know, we're not earn, we don't have to worry about striving to earn God's favor. Through salvation, we are justified with Christ at the one-time thing. Anyway, that's um, not by any good that we have done, but by his divine pleasure and marvelous grace that confirmed our union with the anointed Jesus even before time began. This truth now being unveiled by the revelation of the anointed Jesus, our life giver, who dismantled death, obliterating all its effect on our lives, and has manifested his immortal life in us by the gospel. He has anointed me, his preacher, his apostle, his teacher of the truth to the nations. The confidence of my calling enables me to overcome every difficulty without shame. For I have an intimate revelation of God. And my faith in him convinces me that he is more than able to keep all that I placed in his hands safe and secure until the fullness of his appearance. So some of the key uh, verses in, in light of you know, what I'm speaking on, it's that Paul had such a, a passionate vibrancy related to salvation and that confidence. And so, Although my, my first point was like just understanding the essence of salvation and the importance to have those items thoroughly established in our, in our head as the knowledge is not just simply head knowledge. Paul didn't have only head knowledge about the things. Actually, if you look historically, Paul was a Pharisee before his conversion, and so he really knew the Bible. As a Pharisee, he was required to memorize lots of scripture and basically be a, a teacher of the law as it relates to the Old Testament. Um, and that led him to be a big persecutor of Christians because it was kind of, you know, seemed to be contrary to uh, the Pharisees because it wasn't about religion, it's about having a right relationship with God. So, again, my, uh, moving to the next part of my sermon, the second half of it, 
relates to the passion of salvation. Again, more than head knowledge. I started talking a little bit as far as like a lot of times it's with vehicles, as far as helmets, you know, bicycle helmet, motorcycle car. Related to the car thing, my son Nathan, um, he's learning, to, he has a driver's permit, he's learning to drive. Uh, in some ways it's kind of like a finally thing. But anyway, um, and he's getting better at it, but basically it's something that, you know, if you think back to when you were first starting to drive, there may have been some apprehension of, about it. And basically it comes down to you need experience. You need to drive, the more you drive, under, you know, the right settings and everything like that, the more comfortable you get with your driving and the more experience you have. So uh, actually even a couple of days ago, Kim had mentioned to me, because we have the, the newer, nicer Jeep Grand Cherokee, and then we have the old Grand Cherokee. And she's like, he probably should drive the old one because he's only driving the, the new one, then he's just gonna get completely in that comfort zone and he'll be out of his element in anything else. And so the old Grand Cherokee presents a little bit of challenges because it's got whatever. I mean, I, I we it's a reliable vehicle, it's all that, but yeah, the steering's a little kind of loose and stuff like that. So it's definitely a different experience um, than like, now having with me, or Kim and I have been driving for so many decades, kind of lose sight of that change. So she reminded me and I was like, oh yeah, and actually take action on it, but it's kind of the nerve of my brain. So I would contend again that it's more than head knowledge, like for Nathan learning, like he had to, you know, read the, a book about laws and stuff like that, traffic rules, everything, got to take the test, and that was able to get him the permit, but that still doesn't mean he just hop in any vehicle and drive confidently. So, we need to be able to get these things ingrained in our lifestyle, ingrained in our hearts. Part of a, a common challenge, and, and I'm going to, well actually, sorry, getting a little bit ahead of myself here. So, in the Gospel of John, I'm going to turn to a few passages here. Um, John is the, the apostle, there's the 12 disciples, and then there were the three, uh, Peter, James, and John, that were had a closer relationship with Jesus, as you can see through the Gospels. And then of those three, John had the closest relationship with Jesus. Uh, I'm not going to necessarily rattle off the passages, but there are several passages in the Gospel of John, which he wrote, that has, he refers to himself as the disciple whom Jesus loved. And in the context, you can tell he's speaking of himself. But anyway, um, so why I'm going there is because there's this Greek word um, that is essentially to know. It's translated in our English. Um, maybe pronounced genosko, but anyway. Um, and that Greek word is, we get it as, you know, they, they knew, or, you know, it would be John 10, specifically. It's used several times there. That's where Jesus is talking about the Good Shepherd. And the shepherd knows the sheep, and the sheep know the shepherd. What's interesting in that past, in that section there, is that Jesus uses the same word and he speaks of how the Father knows the Son and the Son knows the Father. And that, again, the Greek knowing is not just that head knowledge. It's on having that, that close-knit heart relationship. And so it's not too difficult to envision as far as, you know, the, the biblical concept, doctrine of the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, all equal, all one, 
Um, so it's not difficult at all. Like, oh yeah, okay, the father knows the son, the son knows the father. Yeah, they're that whole, and I'm not gonna dive into that uh, doctrine point. I would actually probably be better equipped for that, but anyway. <laughs> um, suffice to say, realize that in John 10, Jesus is saying that the sheep are able to know the shepherd to the same extent, extent and the same manner that the father knows the son and the son knows the father. I know I, I'm not there at all. I would like to, my, my goal and through the Holy Spirit and allowing the Holy Spirit to work in my life, that's kind of like, you know, my goal, but really um, that will be something that we will all experience in eternity with salvation. So I just wanted to, you know, kind of point that out. And then also in um, John, uh, let's see here, John 17, 3. Again, using that same Greek word, knowing God and Jesus Christ. Which, um, wait, sorry. Yeah, yeah. basically that, that he says that salvation is through knowing Jesus, knowing God. I don't have that right here in front of me, but anyway. Um, yeah, Jesus defines eternal life as knowing God. I didn't type out that verse verbatim, but that's John 17, 3. John also makes it clear that uh, the world does not know God. That's John 17, 25, and also 1 John 3, 1. So again, there's that, that critical uh, importance of salvation, that we have the right understanding of salvation, but then also growing in our relationship with the Lord. So I'm going to uh, just go and share... A few things related to there's some could be some kind of like heavier doctrinal words that I would just kind of want to unpack related to salvation and those are essentially the justification sanctification and then glorification easy way to uh, view these three parts of or three dynamics of salvation is to uh, think of the penalty power and presence those three P's. For justification, at salvation, we're free from sin's penalty, and that being the first P. Justification, we're freed from the penalty. That's a one-time thing. We go, we, we pray, we accept Christ as, as our Savior and faith in our heart and make that confession. That's a, from that point on, we have right relationship with God. We are justified with God. We don't have to worry about, like, going and being re-justified or anything like that. So that we have freedom from sin's penalty. Sanctification is freedom from sin's power. So it's a slightly different thing here. And sanctification, that's all, that's, that's the, daily, the daily back and forth, the daily uh, working out. I have the reference for this one. We work out our salvation, Philippians 2, 12 through 13. Paul speaks of working out our salvation basically with fear and trembling, understanding that, you know, not so much of the fear and trembling that we would lose the salvation so much as far as justification, but that we need to understand that in this, in the here and now, sin can be attacking us and we can, like, allow, basically if we're not on guard, that carnal side 
can be creeping up in each and every one of us and we can allow, inadvertently allow the enemy to gain ground within our minds and within our hearts. So that's the process of sanctification. That we are being saved from sin's power and by grace, see that it should result with us, this whole thing should result in us having that, because of that close relationship with God. We should then be motivated through understanding and growing in the understanding of his love that his love for us should be the motivation for us to be, uh, you know, basically going and, and doing the things that he's called us to do, to walk in obedience to that, whether it be sharing the faith, whether it be just being, uh, you know, kind to a neighbor, not so without, like, the whole Bible bashing thing, but just simply being kind, walking out the gospel and allowing the gospel to change our lifestyle, all those things, again, it's not because we have to earn our salvation, but as we grow in the understanding of his great love for us and that he's placed us here to be able to be his representatives, to be his ambassadors for the gospel so that, you know, again, the, uh, the scripture verse that uh, he's not willing that, God's not willing that any should perish but all should come to salvation. So, excuse me. The extra projection there. <laughs> drink so so the third piece so I had to the, there's through salvation we're justified we have freedom from sin's penalty we're sanctified freedom from sin's power that's an ongoing process um, it's something that we're you know uh, grow in and be to be not only patient with ourselves but also patient with others uh, and again, that, that's something where I really uh, appreciate the dynamics that exist that God's orchestrated within this particular body of believers. Uh, there isn't that like pretense so much of like, you know, oh, okay, well, it's Sunday morning, so I have to put on my Sunday best and, you know, this, that, and the other thing and have a facade. You know, we can be real and honest with each other. And as God orchestrates those relationships of having that ability to be candid with you know, people that God brings us into relationship with, and we can pray for each other and, uh, you know, encourage and uplift each other. So anyway, that sanctification is freedom from sin's power, ongoing process. The third P relates to glorification, and that's basically freedom from sin's presence. Glorification relates to basically at that point where our time here on earth is done, and we're ushered into... His glory, whether that be with the second coming of Christ and, and however, you know, we're not going to get bogged down into that so much. But, um, again, it, there will be a time where the Bible clearly says, you know, it's committed for once for a man to die and then to judgment. So as Christians, we have that, that hope that's able to rise and stir in us for that future glory. We will be able to spend eternity with God, with Christ, and have absolutely no presence or gnawing or a little, uh, you know, whatever, yipping dogs at our ankles of sin. We'll be completely free from that. So that's the, that's the hope that we have. And I would encourage you just to even be able to view that as being, because God, God's designed that to be, you know, our, our, the hope of our calling. And the assurance and that we can have even though this time there will be times inevitably we're all 
We all have ups and downs. We face tragedy. We face uncertainty. There's so many things that the enemy tries to stir in us to discourage us as you have us just simply throw in a towel and completely abandon hope, but yet it's very clear in the Gospels that God has promised to keep us and be able to bring us to his glory in heaven and we'll be able to spend eternity free from sin in his presence. So that's able to, again, help us to be able to have that, that, that hope and to be able to represent that hope to others. Because, yeah, it's a fallen world, but again, um, we have the hope of eternal life and his presence and that future glory. If uh, I've, I have a few more things that I'd share, but if I can have the uh, the people who will be distributing communion to hear that now, and then uh, there'll be a little bit of music that plays while they're doing that too. So again, it's it's not uh, this, this morning's message isn't so much of a uh, hopefully it's not a a complicated or overly heady thing, but I just really felt to to relay. You know, through the Romans road, there's things that we need to be able to have as a foundation. Uh, part of that certainly is our understanding of it in the scripture as far as our head knowledge, but it's not just head knowledge. There needs to be that um, growing in relationship and recognizing that God, through Christ and through our salvation, God wants to have a deeply personal, vibrant, living relationship with us that is able to take us so much further than simply head knowledge ever would be able to take us. To be able to give us that hope and to give us the confidence. So I, I don't know about you, but for myself, I, I know that there was times where you know salvation kind of seemed to be a, a weird thing that I didn't really fully understand even after accepting Christ as my Savior, even after the prayer. Um, my life basically worked out that I was able to accept Christ at a young age, uh, before I was a teenager, and I got into the teenage years, and, you know, the stuff of life got to me, and um, I really found myself kind of at a point of indecision and a lot of questions about faith and everything like that, and so... Maybe you're in a similar spot. So I, I just want to be able to you know, encourage you that salvation can be, for those who aren't saved, salvation can be yours today. You can have that justified relationship with God. And if you have already accepted Christ as your Savior, you have that confidence in knowing you are right with God. That your sin or your uncertainty or your questions or the times where you just really want to have a shouting one way, only you shouting at God, that's okay. God's big enough to take that. I would just kind of encourage you to have the posture more like David did. Uh, I believe it's Psalm 72, where he is just like throwing out some very serious, gut-wrenching, difficult questions to God. In that same chapter, the pivot point is, he says, when I tried to understand this, it was just too complicated, it was too overwhelming. A little bit of like Shreve, paraphrase there. And then I went into the house of the Lord and I understood God's love, God's, you know, all those other kind of things. So again, I just encourage you to have that, go ahead, shout, scream, whatever, with God. He's big enough to take it, but then be able to 
find a quiet place simply to allow God to, even if it's simply to be able to give you a hug or whatever, just be able to have that, that comfort that God knows God cares. So the contrast would basically be, I forget the chapter, but in John, where Mary and Martha, Jesus comes to visit them, and uh, Mary is at the feet of Jesus, I believe, and then Martha is like, oh, Jesus is here. And she's all frantic trying to make sure that the house, the dishes are done, and the house is clean, and who's going to make dinner, and all these other kind of things. And so basically Martha goes up to Jesus being like, okay, you're clearly not getting the picture. I'm doing everything. She's doing nothing. You need to tell her to get up and help me because, of course, I'm right. Never mind that you're the son of God. I'm right, so please do. That's not quite, we can be brutally honest with God, but, again, take the time to actually listen to what God would speak back to us. So, again, uh, and be patient with yourself and be patient with others. So we have justification, sanctification, and that our hope, of course, is what is based on what God has promised to us for the future glory and that all the chaos and struggles and everything like that, that each and every one of us face in life will be gone away in love eternity with Him. So through the... Uh, practice or through the, the institution, I shouldn't say practice, but anyway, of communion, it's really time for us to be able to uh, sincerely reflect on what Christ has done, that he paid the price for our sin. This time on the cross wasn't just like, wasn't just happenstance, wasn't because uh, the, the Pharisees and Sadducees got the upper hand and they were able to frame him and the Roman government just like, you know, it wasn't any of those situational dynamics. It was clearly God's plan from before time that that would be the only way. That Christ, that sinless, spotless Lamb of God would be our sacrifice. Sacrifice for every person's sin all of the time. He would pay the price through his shed blood, through his broken body. And he demonstrated his power over sin and death by resurrecting three days later and walking and being with the disciples thank you hold on now I have one one hand okay um, so yeah through communion that, that's our time just to basically um, have that point of, of reflection and just to be able to invite the Holy Spirit to, to speak to us I'm going to uh, read 1 Corinthians 11, 23 through 26. Again from Paul. For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, in the night which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. So with these, the top part, it's uh, both the, the bread and the grape juice, and so the top part should be able to uh, get the cooperates. <laughs> so uh, again, that on the cross, Christ paid the paid the price for each and every one of our sins. So. Pray and we can uh, take the bread. Lord, we thank you for that amazing gift of salvation. Lord, we thank you that, that you willingly allowed the weight 
of all sin, of all humanity, to be on your shoulders. Did you actually experience separation from your Heavenly Father because you had nothing to do with sin? Did you were, Lord, that you endured all of that anguish, all the torture, so that we could have a right relationship with you. Lord, we just thank you for the opportunity for communion and through this bread that we partake of now, thank you that you broke your, you allowed, you allowed your body to be broken for us. Continuing in verse 25, Paul writes, In the same way he took the cup after supper, saying, This is the cup of the new covenant, my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat the bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So again, there was, um, through, through the Old Testament, God clearly um, set the foundation that there was uh, no repentance without the shedding of blood. And so as we drink this cup, that's, again, that he poured out his blood for us so we can have that right relationship with him and we can experience health and healing even in, in our mortal bodies. There's, again, so much of that, that healing and health is related biologically to our blood and we are able to partake of this in appreciation, celebration for what Christ has done and Him pouring His blood out for us. Lord, we thank you that it's the free gift. You promised whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Lord, we thank you for the sacrifice that Jesus took upon himself for our redemption, for our salvation. Lord, I just pray that for each of us, we would grow in the understanding and appreciation of your salvation. Lord, that we walk with have grace for ourselves and grace towards others and earnestly desire to grow in that relationship with you so that we can be the best representatives of the gospel that you called us to be. And Lord, we thank you for the promise that we will be able to spend eternity with you in glory. Just ask, Lord, that you would, uh, again, work all of these words and these thoughts and these precepts, continue that work in our hearts in the coming weeks through this week weeks and months lord you're always faithful your love never ends we thank you for all this in the name of your son
and it would be like, I was, I'm normally pretty self aware, but I would just randomly mix it in.
I didn't do anything because there was a guy. Yeah. There was a guy also that died. 